everyone, and welcome to the Creative Financing Podcast. I'm Nicole Kamanjian. I'm here with Cody Richard and the host of this show, Jeff Rappaport. This is episode 217, and today we're going to be covering deal structuring for one to four units. While listening to this episode, if you have questions, please head over to our Facebook group, the Creative Financing Podcast. If you're not part of the community, just search the Creative Financing Podcast in Facebook and ask to join. On the second Thursday of, of every month, we're going to have a live session now, so please bring your questions. If you're watching this on YouTube, you can always ask your questions in the comments below. If you get value from this episode, please like, share, and subscribe to the show. And we're also wanting your feedback, so please rate and review wherever you listen. Thank you, Nicole. Um, so I thought today what we would do is, that, by the way, can you guys see my screen? Yeah. Yep. Okay, great. Um, so we, we do our, uh, we, we do an apprentice call every other week. We do a, um, academy coaching call every other week. And um, so what we did on our apprentice call for the last few weeks is we were dealing with um, how to, to structure deals on one to four units and, and thinking about them as income producing. Okay. So um, that we're not looking at, we're, we're looking at what our possible exit strategies are. And I thought these would be two good examples. So we'll go through one um, for this episode. We'll go through another for the next episode. But I think you'll find that these are, are really kind of interesting. So I have on here um, a deal that we are working on. It's a it's considered a triplex, but it has one extra unit, which is a storefront, okay? And uh, so it's mixed use, and you see what they are. There are two one-bedrooms. There's one two-bedroom and then the storefront, and there are the rents, and they total $3,000. Um, the tenants pay the utilities. I am not sure if that means all the utilities so including water sewer garbage but they pay at least the electric and gas um the taxes are just over a thousand dollars a year uh the condition was described as habitable which to me means people are living in them uh, they're paying but probably when they move out some work's going to need to be done um probably more cosmetic than anything else, you know, uh, uh, carpet, paint, flooring and paint, um, and maybe a little updating here and there, um, probably gets it done. They are not open to terms, okay? So um, this was actually part of a bigger portfolio and uh, they were trying to sell six properties all at once for, uh, I think it was like 800,000 or something like that, 900. Um, but this triplex got my attention. Cody, what, why, I, I know why you, you're going to know the answer to this. Why would this triplex get my attention? Rents for 3,000 and they're asking about 180. Yeah, right. So um, we are exceeding that 1% rule um, pretty pretty good. And what this means, what, what the 1% rule means is that uh, the 1% of the purchase price 
Um, if the rents exceed that, then you are better than the 1% rule, which could mean, could, does not guarantee that this is a potentially really good cash flowing property. The one thing that we know for sure is the further we get away from that 1% rule, the harder it will be to cash flow, right? So if this property was going for 479 instead of 179, um, would we have as much interest? Probably not, right? Because uh, now the 1% rule would be 1% of 479, which would be that rents would be at least 47.90 a month and we're at 3,000, quite a ways away, okay? All right, so really what we're trying to gauge here is what, how, how do we analyze this property and you know, are we interested in making an offer? And what I think we'll do is that even though they weren't open to terms, maybe we'll figure out some ways that we, we could have written um, some offers for terms that would really make sense. Okay, so the first thing I like to do is run some comps. Um, good luck finding comps on not only a triplex, but a triplex with an extra unit um, that's a commercial storefront, right? So comps are going to be pretty much out. Um, maybe we could find some duplexes, maybe even lucky a triplex, and we could try to compare rents and see what you know prices they had sold for, but um, we're not going to be able to run really accurate comps on this kind of deal. So we're going to check out the rental comps, and we did. The two beds range from 800 to 11. Yeah, quite a bit of range there, um, and it looked like our two bedrooms are renting probably for 750 and 900. Uh, the real question is, is you know, could they be raised? And uh, one of the things that we'd want to know is, are they both, you know, about the same size? Are they in similar layouts? Um, you know, a two bedroom could be 600 square feet, which will be super small, or they could range more like 900 square feet, which is a decent size. So, uh, is there just one two bedroom? Yes, just one okay. two bedroom. I'm okay. um, sorry. Yeah. So it wasn't the two bedrooms renting for 900. Okay. But still, maybe some room to raise that. And then the the one bedrooms range from six to seven fifty. So there may be some, uh, not a lot, but there may be some room to raise the rents. Okay. And then what I like to do on every kind of property, and I don't care if it's single family, multifamily, or commercial, is I like to try to work backwards, and I take the rents, and I'll take out a little bit of vacancy. And then I'll figure out all the expenses. And in reality, you come up with an NOI, a net operating income, right? Um, the real difference is on single family and small multifamily, I may not include all of the expenses that you would in commercial. So there may not be a, a reserve account or a capital um, account. There may or may not be management involved, um, but there will be utilities, there will be maintenance, there will be repairs, um, taxes and insurance. Th those are guaranteed, right? 
And I noticed on this one, you did include management. Is there like a deciding factor, like a certain number of units or? Yeah, it really doesn't matter to me. Um, uh, You know, if I'm going to, if I was going to buy this, right? So I'm considering buying this, then uh, I'm going to include management because I am not going to manage it myself. If I was going to wholesale it, I may or may not include the management because um, someone could manage, self-manage this. It wouldn't be that difficult. They could increase their their cash flow. They could increase their uh, return on investment. Uh, it may not be that important to them, at least initially. Um, if it's so tight that I couldn't really put in management, I'm going to take that into account because uh, in, in my opinion, most people would want management. Okay, so maybe estimate it with and without management, make sure it works both ways. Correct. Okay. So, and you see, you know, and I, I budgeted 10%. Um, and on these lower price kind of income properties, uh, the, the management typically will range 8 to 10% of gross rents, right? So rents after vacancy. So if we thought that the gross rents would be 32400 um, then at 10%, we've got 3240 for the year. If you're starting to, if you deal in some of the higher price range type markets like California, property management could be four or 5%, not eight or 10. So. Jeff, for um, maintenance, is there like a rule of thumb that you go by? Like you had 3000 there. So do you go off of like their past maintenance items of maybe like, um, so, like some kind of receipts they gave you or yeah, a percentage? So, so there's no real percentage. Um, it's really going to depend on a few things. So even if this is a single family home, right? What, what does maintenance really include? Um, if there was a pool, uh, there would be maintenance, right? If there is grass, um, there's mowing. If there's lots of trees and bushes, there's some landscaping. Uh, there may be pest control. Um, so depending on what it is, where it is, uh, some of that maintenance will be more. You know, if you live in a place where you get a lot of snow, snow removal might be something. If you live in a place where, hey, it's pretty sunny most of the year, no snow, um, you know, it, there's not much lawn, then it's going to be less. Really, what I'm going to do is I'm going to create an estimate that I think is fair, and I'm going to make my offer, and then I'm going to verify it during the due diligence period. So I'm going to request um, to sh show me what the expenses are, and then uh, I may question what those are showing up as, like, hey, are you doing mowing, and what, what are you paying for it, and do you do any pest control, do you do, I'm going to ask those questions. So if you're dealing direct to the seller, then that, those are the questions that you can come up with before you write the offer. And if you're dealing more with like um, a broker, uh, that's probably something that you estimate and then you come back and verify. Got it. Okay. And what I've done sometimes in the past, and you can, I'll make it quick, is start at 10% or around there. And then if it's something that's brand new, I'll lower it a little bit. Sure. Like if they live in a condo and 
that's all Math. taken care of in the HOA. I'll lower it a yep. bit. Yep. If it's from 1900, I'll raise it a bit. Yes. Yeah. And that, and that's a good rule of thumb. Um, uh, if it's on a tiny little lot, you know, there's not much mm -hmm. grass to deal with. There's not much snow removal to deal with. Um, you know, th those kinds of things. So, um, you know, put an estimate out there and then verify it. Mm -hmm. Okay. So I'm going to run real through this really quick, just because um, that, that's not really what I wanted to, to do. I want to get to, hey, does this property make any sense? And um, how could we change it if they were open to terms? Okay. So, um, so what are we looking at? So that Cody, you've said this right off that, hey, the 1% rule, we beat that. So that's attractive. Okay, so we had gross effective rents of 32.4 minus our expenses. That leaves us with 15,506, which would be considered our NOI in this case. Um, cap rate, which I don't really use on one to four units, but it's a gauge for me. Um, uh, and what cap rate means is, hey, it's the return on investment you should expect if you paid cash for the property. And it's kind of a way to evaluate the value of commercial properties. This isn't commercial. Um, this is still, you know, four units. So, um, but it still gives me a gauge and it came in around 8.7, which, uh, you know, in these days that we're dealing with, uh, that's decent. Um, but th this is a much older property and, this would be something that you'd probably see at 10, 11 percent um, just a few years ago. And, uh, you know, they've upped their price a bit probably to match with what's going on in the market. OK, and then so we're, we're going to take our NOI, this 15,000, and we're going to divide it by 12. And that's 1292. OK. So this is what, this is the crucial part of all these calculations, okay? So we've taken out all the debts that we at least believe will be involved in this. And what this leaves us is what can we pay for debt service? So whether we're getting a bank loan or we're paying the seller, and it also includes our cash flow. So that's not a lot of money left, right? Um, you know, $1,300 uh, when it's bringing in $3,000 a month, we only have $1,300 left. And so here's where some of your creative financing can come into play. So if you were to go to a bank, let's say Cody, if we were to go to a bank, what would you expect if we were just going to go buy this, right? Um, uh, what 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 kind of loan? How much are you going to finance? What do you think your interest rate's going to be? And I know it's not going to be exact, and we don't have to be exact. But what what where do you think we'd be? Yeah, I think they're probably expecting twenty to twenty five percent down. Yep. And then they'd probably be five and a half to six and a half percent. Seems like it's getting higher and higher. Yep. Yeah, I think yeah, 6% is super fair right now. Mm -hmm. um, so if we take our purchase price of 179 and we times it by 0.8, that means that we're putting 20% down, right? 
So uh, that would be our PV. So put this in your financial calculator, 143,000 at 6%. So put six I slash YR amortized over 30 years, 360 months and solve for payment. That equals $857 and 35 cents. Okay. And if we now take that 1292, that, that NOI that we figured out, and we minus our debt service, that leaves us with $434.65 per month, right? That's our net. That's what we should be walking away from every month after everything. Okay. So here's a couple of things that I would look at. So this is four units, right? So for me, um, my minimum requirement would mean I want to make $150 per unit. Now, it's harder to do that right now than it was, let's say, three years ago. Um, but I, I and, and we're not terribly far off, right? We're over 100, um, uh, almost 110. Uh, so I, I, I could understand if someone would do it, but for me, I, I have certain criteria that I'm looking for and we're not meeting the minimum requirement. So, um, but let's figure out what our cash on cash return would be. So we had to put down $36,000 approximately, um, plus some closing costs. And again, we don't know if we're going to have to really put any money into this property yet. So um, best case scenario is we figure out, hey, we're making $434 and some change every month. So we times that by 12. That equals our cash flow for the year. So just over five grand, 52.15. Okay. And we're going to divide that by the amount of money out of our pocket which is 38,000 on the low, low, that, that's the lowest end it can be, right? Because we have not included any closing costs and we'll fix up. So the best case scenario is we'll get 13.7% return on our investment. And I would tell you that that's not bad. Um, uh, it's not like the best, but uh, it's not bad. So to me, right now, based on all of these numbers, this is a, a mediocre deal. Um, it's not like, hey, you know, we want to run out and make this offer because you know it's a screaming deal. But potentially, remember when we looked at the rents? Maybe the rents could be raised a few hundred dollars a month. That would make a difference. Maybe the units don't need much work. Um, that would make a difference. Um, maybe our expenses that we estimated, right, aren't quite as high as we thought. And now maybe our NOI is higher. So there's, there's potential here. So to me, it's worth finding out more, right? Let's make an offer. Um, plus, you know, there's no, nothing forcing us to pay the 179, right? That's the asking price. Um, you know, this is really to analyze a potential lead, decide, do we want to make an offer and where do we want to go with that offer? Nicole, do you have any questions? Uh, nope. All right. So 
what we did here is we came in and we offered um, 165, I think. So, but we came in like 15 grand, 14 grand less. And they countered and they, they would only come down to 174. And I, it, this is either a deal with the potential or it's really not a deal even at 165. It, this doesn't change that much between those two prices. Okay. So we said, all right, we'll do it at 174 and we'll do some research and we'll see where we fall. So that's what your cash would be right? And we, we already know the cash would be kind of marginal, right? So, um, so let, let's think about this for a second. If this seller was open to creative finance, okay, this property's free and clear. Cody, what do you think, how could we make where we could still offer, you know, the 179, how could we structure this that would make more sense for us where we want to buy this? Yeah. The first thing that comes to mind to me, like the old reliable is you could pay 179 or maybe even a little bit higher, have a little bit less of a down payment than what we looked at with the like conventional what? financing. Closer, like, closer to the 20, 20,000 down. 10, 15, even. 20, somewhere in there, right? Somewhere exactly. There. Okay. And Five then, to 10% down. Yep. And then instead of a 6% interest rate, bring it down closer to three to four. Yep. Which, I mean, four is still reasonable, I'd yeah, say. You very reasonable. Yeah, yeah. And I mean, when I looked at it, it lowered the payment by almost $200 just by bringing that um, interest rate down. Yep. So that's probably where I'd start, but there's probably a hundred other routes you could go. And yeah, how long of a term would you ask for? Uh, my standard is usually five. Uh, okay. So that's about. like the minimum, right? Mm -hmm. So maybe you could even offer a minimum one, right? Where it's a five-year term. And maybe it's even, hey, maybe we'll, we'll pay you 185. We'll pay you six grand more than you're asking. We'll do a hybrid interest rate, right? Two and a half percent. Um, and we'll pay you 650 a month. Um, 700 a month uh, for five years and which actually this this particular seller would do really she owns a lot of properties and she wants to sell them all and so she's going to have huge tax consequence huge and uh, unfortunately we we're dealing with a broker and the broker saying she might be open to some of that but not for some reason on this which um, I don't know why, but uh, she should be, right? Someone should explain to her that, um, that this would be better for you. Um, but we could do that. Uh, we would increase our cash flow immediately. Our cash on cash return would go up significantly, right? It'd probably double. Um, uh, and now when you're getting a 25, 28, 30% cash on cash return, yeah, now you, now you got something, right? Um, and you don't have to be a rocket scientist to know that I might have something here. Um, uh, and now the all the bonus stuff, the, the rents that could be raised, uh, the, you know, now that that's icing on the cake, right? It's just that it's the bonus. We're already buying it at a good deal and we could pay her more than what she's asking, right? 
What about a subordination, which we talked about last episode as like a no money down deal? So what, what if she said, uh, we, we have to, she has to get, you know, she's going to pay her broker. So, you know, no money down or low money down might be an issue because, you know, guess what? Realtors want to get paid up front. Um, so, but what, what if she could get away with $50,000 down? Could we go and borrow from a private lender 50000 and say we'll pay you one eighty five? dollars okay? So we still owe you $135,000. And you know, I'm going to pull out my calculator and let's say I'm going to pay my private lender 8%, okay? interest only. So I'm going to pay... Um, $333 a month, right? So it's 50,000 times 0.08 divided by 12. So every month I'm paying my private lender 333. Now I don't want the, the payments to get too high here, right? So because we knew, remember if we go back, and we, we go back to all these calculations, right? And we figured out, hey, at 6% interest and a total payment of 857, we don't really make what we want to be making net cash flow wise. So we certainly don't want to exceed 857. We, we'd actually like it to come in uh, preferably more around 700. Then we'd get that close to that $600 a month cash flow. So that's the whole point of doing these calculations is that now we kind of have an idea of how we need to structure these terms that would make it work for us. So now if we have to put, let's say $50,000 down, now we're, we're gonna have a tough time, right? Because we really only have like $370 that we can pay the seller on her equity. That's probably not very enticing, right? So we either have to come with less money as that subordination amount, um, or we've got to figure out some other ways of doing it. What about, Nicole, do you remember when we talked about what if she wanted to go borrow some money and do it as a HELOC, right? Mm -hmm. um, now, that might work here. I don't know. But do you see one of the major issues here? And, you know, I, I ask both of you, what do you think is the major issue that you see here? And I'll show you. It's on this page. Seems like it comes down to the cash flow. Yes. There's enough room for everyone to make enough money <laughs> it's this amount right here right mm -hmm. it's 1292 which is what's left over to deal with debt service and cash flow if we get what we want which would be six hundred dollars right that's our minimum 150 dollars per unit right that there's only like 700 left to pay the seller now could that change a little bit how would that change, Nicole? Uh, if you're able to increase the rents? 
if we're able to increase the rents or if we were off a little bit on some of these expenses, right? Mm -hmm. So if we find out, hey, she truly pays no utilities, you know, it's a couple hundred dollars a year instead of 3000 we, we just saved ourselves, you know, $2,700, right? Yeah. Uh, we're budgeting maintenance, but hey, maybe all the maintenance is being done by um, the tenants. Uh, repairs. Uh, maybe repairs aren't, uh, maybe we estimated low. We got to add more on for this one. I don't know. Insurance, you know, might be, uh, insurance could be any, uh, could be low, could be high. I have no idea. Um, so th these are what, do you see why we would be interested in at least going, trying to move forward and see, but it's possible we don't really want this, that, that this might be difficult to make work. Um, but, and if we get all this information, if we get all this up front, we probably can make a, a pretty easy decision. If we don't, then we got to try to move forward and then verify it later. Does that make sense? Yeah. But do you see the possibilities of where, where if it was cash and you were just going to go to the bank and get a loan, it, it, here are your choices. Get it for a lower price, right? Um, that, that's all you can do. Um, with the creative financing, did we ever talk about a lower price where we're talking about paying what she's asking or paying even more to entice or incentivize this seller to taking that deal um, because it's possible to make this work. And the goal would be is, okay, how much work is it gonna take to make it work? And sometimes it's not worth it, right? It's like way too much. And, but others yeah, right now, all we gotta do is verify the expenses and we'll know pretty quick. Is there some way that, um, you know, would it make sense cash wise does that make sense yes all right so we sure. the the next episode will actually be um we will look at creative financing options what i wanted to do here is one i think this would be really helpful for people that are looking to understand how to analyze income type properties and second when you do analyze it, you're not only analyzing it for a cash price, but you now have a pretty clear idea of where to go with some of your offers based on how much money you have to work with. Would you both agree? Yeah. Yeah, for sure. The goal is to simplify. So, um, all right, any last questions? No, this was helpful, nothing on my end. Good. All right. Well, till next time, everyone, go create some terms.